Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Hallelujah. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And the reason we praise the Lord is because we're celebrating again and again resurrection season. And today you're in for such a treat because you're not going to, you're not only going to hear a resurrection story from the Bible. You're going to hear a resurrection story right from within our midst. And today, uh, Edgar Rivas is going to be sharing the word of God. And I remember, I remember the first time I met him. Uh, years ago when we were meeting in a school, I remember the day that he came in and I was able to just greet him and shake his hands. And it seemed so... You hear that sense of God's hand is on this brother's life. And, um, you know, he's going to tell you a story uh, in a few moments, but he's on staff. He's actually our chief of staff right now and does an amazing job. And I'm so excited for you to hear the word of the Lord. Can we put our hands together and welcome Edgar Rivas? Good morning, church. It is such an honor to be able to share the Word of God with you today. I've been now uh, on staff for just about five years, and the Word of God has really impacted my life in such a powerful way over the last few years. And it's such a privilege to be standing here with you today. You have no idea how much of a privilege it is to be able to share the Word of God with you. And I just want to, today, we're going to jump into the text and read about a story, a miraculous story. And it's one of those powerful stories in the Bible, but in a lot of ways, it's really my story. And we're going to be reading through John chapter 11, the story of, of Lazarus' resurrection. And um, I just want to pray before we read that God would just speak to us today. So let's just pray. Father, we worship you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy and your grace, Lord. And Lord Jesus, we just commit this time to you, Father God. And we ask, Lord, that you would meet us and that you would speak to us, Father God, that your voice would be so clear to us today, Lord. We commit our lives to you, Lord, and everything that we are, Lord. And Lord, over these next few moments, Father, I just pray, Father, that you would hide me behind the cross and that you would speak through my feeble lips, Father God. And Lord, we just pray that you would be glorified in this moment, Father God. We love you, we worship you, and we give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. So we're going to read a story, and the title of the message today is When Dead Things Come Back to Life. When dead things come back to life. So let's read together uh, John chapter 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from, a, from Bethany, the village of Mary, and whose sister Martha. The Mary, whose brother Lazarus now laid sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. 
When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Can we say that together? This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that, the, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister uh, and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the day- daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples uh, thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe but let us go to him. And I just want to pause right there um, for a moment. What we can learn from the text uh, right away is that Martha and Mary and Lazarus were a family. And this family was known by God. Jesus had a relationship with this family specifically. And it's, it's, this family knew him very well. They knew him so well that they knew that if Jesus would come back to him, that Lazarus would not be dead. They knew the power of Jesus, uh, that Jesus Christ was walking on, on earth, the power that he had to do miracles. He had already done so many things by that time. He had healed the sick. He had made the blind person see. He had uh, 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 did the miracle with the, the loaves and the fish. So they knew the power of God. And these fam- this family, knowing the power of God, sent word to Jesus. But Jesus didn't respond immediately. And when Jesus arrives on the scene, we later find Lazarus has been dead for four days. Four days. You know, the status of death over the years has not changed. I mean, that's a, such a blatantly obvious, obvious truth, right? Um, it hasn't changed. Dead back 2,000 years ago is dead now. And for Mary and Martha, that situation, there was no coming back from it. Nothing. You couldn't come back from it. No return, no life, dead. And so in many ways, my story for most of my life was also thought to believe to be dead. I also thought that my situation, there was no coming back from it. You know, I grew up in the, in the church uh, in the early 80s. I'm kind of dating myself. Um, in the early 80s, and, and as a, even as a little boy, I remember going to church with my family. And I knew from a very young age that I was supposed to surrender my life to him. Even from a, we cannot, you have no idea the impact 
of a child being uh, uh, in the presence of God, receiving the word of God, what impact that has on a child. And from a very young age, I knew that I was to serve him. But so many things happened. So many things happened in my life and in my, in my home that it became difficult to receive from the Lord. Things got so bad in our home. I remember at one part uh, uh, in, in, in my house that my parents were even going to split up. And so as the, as the fighting, as the, the issues kept coming up time and time again, I ended up getting pulled out of church. I got pulled out of church and, and you know, there more more turmoil, more fighting, more issues. It's crazy to me. But some of the most vivid memories I have as a child were the ones that were the most destructive. I could even tell you how, think, how I felt in that moment and what, what, what literally took place. And the more time went by, the more time went by, the more I doubted that God had a plan for me, the more I doubted that I could even turn back to the Lord. And as I grew up, I grew up and I turned to things that were not of God. I grew up in, in, in the inner city of Chicago and, and uh, I ended up turning to, to gangs. I turned to gangs. I got involved with gangs as a young, a young age with gangs led to drugs, drugs led to violence, getting arrested. And I thought for sure that my story was dead too. The interesting thing about this is that my heart, in my heart, I ended up starting to doubt. I started to doubt because so many discouraging things, things that kids shouldn't have to go through. Environments were, 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 were just, it was difficult. I began to doubt the Lord. And I felt like my life was too far gone for Christ. But see, when we're in the midst of the most difficult situation, when they're in the midst of the most horrible uh, environments, when things are at their worst, we have to remember one thing, because the Bible teaches us in the Lazarus story that God's word is irrevocable. God's word is irrevocable. If he says it, he's going to do it. He is not man that he should lie. There is no turning back. The Lord says that he has a plan. If you're here today, God has a plan for your life. This is not by accident. And though things get hard, we have to remember that God's word is irrevocable. Look at this passage of scripture. This is Jesus. Jesus, This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He said, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. In other words... How do we know that God's word is irrevocable? Because the Lord said that this situation, in this particular situation, this sickness will not end in death. In other words, God's word, he has the final word. God has the final word on any circumstance in any situation. And in the, in, for Mary and Martha, they were at a loss. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. But they knew Christ. The interesting thing is they knew Christ and before anything could take place, the moment he hears, see, here's a, here's a crazy thing about this. Jesus knew the outcome 
even before he made the decision to go. Even, even before he spoke, he knew the outcome. And he said, this sickness will not end in death. When we look through the stories of the Bible, there are so many stories where God says, I have the final word. I have the final word. You could be going through a mess. Your life could be difficult. There could be so much hurt and discouragement, but God has the final word. And we're so, God is so good. And as we look at the Bible, we, we know about the stories of the three little Hebrew boys that got thrown into the fiery furnace. Was that situation too far gone for God? You're walking up to a fiery furnace, but God had the last word. This sickness will not end in death. That situation will not end in death. Daniel, Daniel's thrown into the lion's den with hungry lions, and he doesn't even have a scratch on him. The Lord said in that moment, that situation won't end in his death. When we think about Elisha, Elisha's surrounded by an army. That his servant, so much so, the situation was so dire that even his servant says, what are we going to do? We are completely surrounded. There is this situation, it's over. We're done. It's a goner, right? And that's when Elijah prays. He says, Lord, open his eyes so he can see that there's more of us than there are of them. God's word is irrevocable. And he said, this will not end in his death. See, God always has the final word. And even though I went through so many things in my life, I tried as a child to take control of it. You know, if the environment wasn't safe, if the situation and the circumstances were difficult, well, you know what? It's because I got I to gotta get, get out of this. I'm going to take control of this situation. So I signed up uh, in my teenage years to enlist in the Marine Corps. And uh, I think we have even a, a, a photo of, of, of this. This is my platoon in the Marine Corps. You can barely see it's pixelated a little bit because it's a little bit old. Um, but I decided I'm going to take control of my life. And I'm going to go and listen in the, in the Marine Corps. And for a while, I thought things were really going well. I really did think that things were going really well. But see, just like Lazarus, death was knocking at my door. And I want to tell you about a little story, about a story about this unit. We ended up going uh, um, to Yuma, Arizona. Anybody, no offense to anybody that's from Yuma, Arizona. There's absolutely nothing there. Dead, uh, dead upon dead that, there. Um, but... I was in Yuma, Arizona with my unit, and we're in the middle of this desert. It's desert. There's nothing really around. Um, and um, we're about maybe, maybe an hour or two away, maybe I think about two hours away from the nearest base. And um, we're out there, and we're training. We're doing a whole bunch of training exercises. And um, I'm really excited about being there. I'm really excited. You would think, man, he's in the desert. He's not excited to be there. No, but we were going to do something really special. We were going to be testing out one of the newest aircrafts that the Marine Corps had. And I was so excited that I remember I had the opportunity to 
to drive that we call it go pick up chow, you know. I had the opportunity to drive the Humvee about two hours to go get hot, a hot meal in the morning, which for us was, was like, like if you brought us gold. Um, and I drive out and I go to this uh, place to pick up food. And as some of, my, uh, uh, some of my platoon went to go get some stuff on the inside of the building, there was a, tele- there was a pay phone. How many remember pay phones? Um, there was a pay phone. And I was so excited. I said, well, this is a great opportunity. I never really get to use the phone, you know. Um, so I'm going to call, collect call my mom and dad. So I pick up the phone. My mom picks up. And I start to tell her, hey, mom, I'm so excited. I'm doing this training exercise and I'm really excited. We're going to be trying this new plane. This new plane. I can't tell you about it right now, but soon you'll hear about it. But there's a new plane that's coming out. We have the opportunity, one of the first units to ever get on this plane. And uh, I remember my mom being happy. And she's like, oh, that's good, son. That's good, son. And uh, I hung up that phone that day. We went back. And later on that night, later on that night, I really felt... God speaking to me. As we, were eating, as we were eating that same meal, one of the guys turns to me and says, hey, why are you so excited? This plane has crashed more times than I can even count. Why are you so excited? And after that point, it was like God was telling me and talking to me and talking to me. It was, it was so real. We end up going to do a, 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 out in the middle of the desert, figuring out how to get water in the middle of the desert. And I end up grabbing one of the, they send us out. They're like, go get a stone. There's not many stones in the desert. But they're like, go get a stone and bring it back so we can put it around this little hole and we'll make water. And as I went and got, uh, I found, I went out maybe about 15, 20 minutes out, I got some stones. I'm like, man, this is a whole bunch of stones. I bring them back. And when I bring them back, the, 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 I remember my staff sergeant says, man, how did you get so many stones? Nobody else did. I was like, man, you're not going to believe it. Me and Ortega, we found a pile of stones. He's like, are you serious? You know what you just did? I'm like, no. He's like, you just robbed somebody's grave. And so, crazy. I'm telling you, there's no kidding. So you know what they did? In the Marine Corps, they like to play jokes. So a couple hours later, right before we go to the night, nighttime uh, training exercise, they made makeshift burial uh, site for me and my friend with a cross, with our last name. And I was hearing, man, it was, it was such a conflict. I was like, man, I really want to go on. I want to be part of this. But something was saying, don't get on. And as uh, the day unfolded, I saw that, and, and, and it was just everybody's chuckling and laughing, and, and in my spirit, I'm like, something's off. And as they start pulling the names together of who's going to go, they have to leave somebody behind. And so in my spirit, I'm like, I know I can't get on. So I use an excuse. See, I had gone through a little bit of back issues in the Marine Corps, and I used this, an excuse to say, hey, you know what, I'll stay back. My back's been kind of acting up. I didn't have the courage to say so- I felt something was off. So I used that, and they said, okay, cool. Nobody wants to stand watch. Nobody wants to stand up in the middle of the night, all night, and walk around circles around camp. But I was like, you know what, I'll do it. And when I said it, my friend Ortega said, you know what, I'll stay with him. These were the two people that had a gravesite put for them. And later on that day, 
The aircrafts came. I have a picture of some of the aircrafts for, for you. This is actually a photo I took as they came down. This is the MV-22 Offspray. And they all got in line and they boarded the aircraft and I watched them. I watched them leave. That was the last time I saw them. That was the last time I saw them. The first cra aircraft crashed and blew up. Um, the second one crashed but didn't. And uh, I have even a, a photo of, of the crash. This is the crash site of one of the aircrafts that, that survived. And then the other one, which was completely destroyed. And all of my squad, my entire squad was wiped out in a moment. And, you know, I, I kept one of, their, one of the newspaper clippings because I didn't want to forget their faces, you know. And so I even have it here. Uh, this is all of the people that, uh, from my platoon that died that day. And uh, God saved me from there, you know. And he was speaking to me that day. And I was so broken. You know how confused it is when, when you're like, Lord, you saved me. But I'm so messed up. I know you reached out to me. But Lord, you don't know what I've done. And what I've been through. And what's been done to me. So I left the Marine Corps. I didn't turn to the Lord. I remember praying. that You know, when the, immediately when they woke me up. It was at the, like, it was like, a, like, a, like a, me and my, my friend when we were doing the, the rotations around. I was like, all right, cool, you know what, you're going to take an hour, I'll take an hour, we'll kind of do this thing. You know, you go to sleep, nobody's around, go to sleep. So when it came turn to my turn to lay down, maybe like 15, 20 minutes later, he runs running in, he's shaking me up, shaking me up. Edgar, it's on the radio, it's on the radio that they're all dead. And I couldn't, I, I, it was like so surreal that I couldn't do anything but get on my knees. I hadn't prayed since I was a child. I got on my knees, I started praying, I started praying, and it was the, one of the most difficult situations because I knew that God rescued me, but I, I come, there's this thing called survivor's guilt that I was struggling with. That I'm like, well, maybe I should have been on the plane with them. Maybe I should be dead. And I struggled, I was so confused and hurt, so frustrated and even angry, you know? And I left the Marine Corps with such sadness, with such loss of hope. Um, and it was just a hard time. See, and I believe that Mary and Martha, after the Lord waited and their brother passed, that they were in a very similar situation. Frustrated, discouraged, down, that there was no coming back. But the Bible teaches us that delays are not denials. Delays are not denials. We know that, that delays are not that God says, oh, no, I'm not going to answer. I'm not going to respond. It's too over for them. That was the one opportunity you're going to get. We know that delays are not denials. God loved Lazarus. He loves you. There's no distinction between the two. Time is not a factor for God's answer for your life. 
And the Bible says that the Lord, the one you love, is sick. Then it says he was deeply moved. Then it says Jesus wept. When it says Jesus wept, that means that he bursted out crying. He was hurt just the same way Mary and Martha was, even though he knew the outcome. And delays we know are not denials. See, one of the greatest tricks the enemy used during that time for me was he began to whisper. He began to whisper, yeah, he saved you, but you're too messed up. Yeah, he saved you from that, but you've been through too much. You've done too much. You've been in some of the most messed up situations. Things, some of the craziest things happened to me. And the enemy would whisper and whisper and lie and say, you know that delay? The Lord's not going to answer that. There's no coming back for you. There's no, there's no hope for you. You see that situation that you got out of? That was coincidence. And we know there's no coincidences with God. So as I got out, as I got out of the military, I tried to continue to take control of my life. And a few years after I got out, I ended up going through one of the most, even worse situations in my life. It was probably the one, one of the most darkest times in my life. I had gone through a difficult relational thing that broke up and I was discouraged. And a few months later in 2008, even though I was already in the pit, even though I was already struggling, even though part of my heart was dead, even though that, that, that there was stuff going on, I get the news. I get the news. I get a phone call from my father in 2008. I'm in Washington, D.C. interviewing for a job. And uh, I get the call from my dad. And to be honest with you, it was one of those calls that you could tell from the voice that something is terribly wrong. And when he calls me, he says, Edgar, you got to come to Chicago. My dad never says stuff like that. You got to come. I could hear it in his voice. You got to come to Chicago. And he says, your brother, he's not doing well. He's not doing well at all. He's in the hospital. And I was thinking in my head, wait, I just talked to him two days ago. We, everything was fine. In 2008, after all the stuff that I was going through, my brother now is sick. Never been sick before, never had an issue, 30 years old, strong and healthy, all of a sudden gets a brain virus. We don't even know where it came from to this day. And I literally flew in the next morning. And as I got there, he already had begun to lose his speech. I remember him moving his arms really slowly because he couldn't move. And I try to talk to him and I try to like encourage him. And I'm like, man, how did this happen? I remember I, I, was, I started to bust out crying and my brother's like, get out of the room, get out of the room. He's like, you're gonna make him worse, you know? And so I talked to him, I came back in the room, I got composure, I talked to him. I try to encourage him. 
but that night would be the last time that I'd have a conversation with him. Shortly after that, he went into a coma and um, he ended up passing away. Totally out the blue. No way, no way, no how. I have no idea how that happened. Goes into the hospital for a headache. The headache turns into a migraine. The migraine takes his speech. The migraine, then the speech then goes his movement. His movement that goes his all bodily function. And now is in a coma. It was some of the most darkest time in my life after that. Issue after issue, trauma after trauma. My heart became so hard and dark. I turned to so many things. Alcohol was my next thing. The very thing that, that, that I was like, I don't want to do, I was doing. I would drink so much over after night after night, night after night. And I remember sometimes coming home and my mom saying, you know what? You know you're going to be a pastor, right? And I was like, that, that situation's dead. There's no coming back for me. There's no turning around. And it was one of the most darkest time in my life. But God, God began to reach out to me. It was in those moments, it was in that season of my life that God began to really stretch out his hand to me. Like never before. And though the enemy would tell me lies, you're too far gone. You're too hard. You got too many issues. You got too much baggage. Those were lies from the enemy. There was an inner battle in my heart. But I knew I needed to turn back. I just didn't know how. I'm a grown man at this point. I'm like, I don't even know how to come back. There's, there, I don't even know how this is going to even happen. But the Lord reached out to me and sent me someone. See, I didn't know it. But the Lord was going to turn that whole situation around. And I put my house, I was so, so broken. I was like, I'm going to go work in D.C., get away, maybe running away. Maybe running away would fix it. And so I put my house for rent. And I'm, I talked to one of my family members, and they're like, hey, you know, I got somebody for you. It's a young couple. They're about to get married, and they're looking for a home. So I invite them to come take a look at the house. And the house was empty, and we spent about three hours in that house just talking. And he was encouraging me to come to church. How did, I, how did that even happen? Just randomly, I don't know this guy. But we have a connection, and he's encouraging me. He said, man, God has a plan. God has a plan for your life. It's not over. It's not over. And I was hearing that, and it was hitting me, but at the same time, I was fighting in my heart. I didn't, I didn't know how to come back. That was during the middle of the week. We spent three hours in that house. And by the time the weekend came, I was like, you know what, I'm turning back to alcohol. So I invited some friends to go out that night. And nobody wanted to go. Nobody. See, I had destroyed so many relationships by that point. 
I had destroyed. I was just angry and bitter. And uh, I say, well, if no one goes, I'm going to go by myself. I go out. I buy a bottle of vodka. And I pretty much drink the whole thing that night. And I drove home. And uh, I don't even remember how that even happened. All I could remember, the last thing I could remember was buying the bottle. And so the very next morning, I wake up on the couch in full clothes of what I wore that night. I was so shocked that I was there because I couldn't put the pieces together. I was like, wait, how did I get here? I have my keys. Wait, I drove. What could I have done on the road? I had to look at the car. I'm like, did I hit anybody? Did I make it here okay? Did I kill someone? I blacked out. I blacked out. And it was at that moment that I got on my knees. And I was like, God, if you don't save me, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm just so angry. This is so messed up. My life was not supposed to go this way. And at that moment, the only thing I could think about was text him. Send him a text. So I get on my phone. I shoot him over a text and I say, hey, where's that church you're talking about? And as he replied almost instantly and said, hey, this is the address. I'm going to meet you at the doors. And I knew that I knew that I knew that if I was to delay, that I would not have gone. If I would have said, you know, I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to get some stuff ready. Then I'm going to go. That I would have never went. And so all I did was brush my teeth, and walk right out the door. Smelling like alcohol, feeling discouraged, defeated, in pain. And I walked into that door, and he embraced me, and he came in, and he started introducing me to everybody. And the craziest thing happened, that as I sat there in that chair, we were in a school back then, as I sat there in that chair, I didn't know the pastor. I didn't know what was going on. But as he began to preach, God began to speak so clearly to me that I was like, there's no one else in this room but me. He's literally talking to me. Surely he must have told them my story. Right, We have those things like, man, he must know. There's no way, no way that this could be happening. And I was sitting there calm, but in my spirit, I was trembling. And he invites, he does an altar call. And he invites the people forward. And I remember that there was a delay. There was a delay. And he said, you know what, someone here is trying to run. 
See, he didn't know this. But at that time, I thought my only escape was to find a new location, a new job, new friends, a new environment. And he said, I feel like someone here, like the Lord is telling you, don't run. To stay. And as I was hearing that, man, my spirit was just shocked. And he waited. I remember him waiting. No, we're going to wait some more time. There's someone here. So then I get up and I start walking toward the front, crying, crying, bawling. And someone comes, they place their hands over me. They start praying over me. And man, I felt like weight was just coming off. Weights of discouragement, weights of pain, weights of so many issues in my life, doubt. I gave my life over to the Lord that day. And God began to radically shake up my world. I started falling in love with Jesus. And the more I got, started falling in love, the more there was things. I was like, I got to serve here. I got to get involved. I got to do something. The fire that God started igniting in my heart was back again. And there was nothing that was going to stop me. I, would, I remember at one point I was serving in like four different ministries. <laughs> People are like, what do you do here? Well, I'm like, well, I set up the church. I break down, but I'm also doing security. And if you need the shuttle, I could drive the shuttle. It's like, you know. God saw, taught me something powerful that day. See, God resurrected my life. He resurrected my call. He resurrected my family. And he did things that in my own flesh, that in my own nature, I couldn't do for myself. God had to do it. See, one of the things, the last things that this story teaches us, one of the last things that it teaches us in Lazarus' story is that we have to believe before the miracle. We have to believe before the miracle. Listen to this. Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with the stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time, by this time, there is bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God. Hallelujah. 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 See, what we don't recognize in this entire story, the word that constantly hits over and over and over nine times, believe. Believe in the power Believe in the resurrection. Believe that God can restore. Believe that marriages could be healed. Believe that your son could come back. Believe that that story's not ended. Believe that I could restore all things and make them new. God tells us that he has the final word. His word is irrevocable. He has the final word. And that while there might be delays, they're not no's. 
God loves you. He has a plan for your life. It is not finished. You know, the interesting part about this is that we, as we believe, and God fulfills what he says, our faith goes from strength to strength, from glory to glory. God begins to do things radically that you couldn't do for yourself. While I went through all these things, now my life is totally different. He ended up giving me a wife, a beautiful wife, three kids. He expedited it like fast. I got twins. It was not my time, but the Lord's timing. And it's such a beautiful thing. God is faithful. And there is no situation that can't be brought back to life. Not a single situation. And you know, as we stand here today, as we sit here today, I wonder if there's anyone that has just, the Lord has been speaking to you about areas in your life that have just been dead. Maybe, maybe it's, it's something that, that happened to you like it happened to me as a little kid. And you've been holding on to these things for years. And it's just hard for you to turn back. Or maybe you're here today and you're like, I've never surrendered. I never had that relationship with Jesus before. And you're wondering, how do I turn back? How do I seek you? How do I pursue you? And so I just want to pray right now. Let's all close our eyes and let the Spirit of God speak to you right now. God loves you. There is no situation that can't be turned back. It was 35 years for me to see the fulfillment of that when I was a child. 35 years, people have been harboring discouragement, frustration, pain. And I just want to just, if that's you, and you're saying, God, I want to believe for the breakthrough. Can I just invite you to just stand right where you're at? If there's parts of your life that you're like, God, I just need you to answer. I need you to send a word. Would you just stand right where you're at? Every eye closed. If there's hard heart, if there's been times in your life where you're like, man, I've been struggling with this for years. There's no coming back from this. This is just the way it is. The Lord is saying, no, it's not. No, it's not. If that's you, stand to your feet. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday. That goes all the way back to the cross. And then it goes back to Edgar's yesterdays and my yesterdays and your yesterdays, okay? But he's a, Jesus is the same yesterday than everyone today and forever. And so when Jesus rose from the dead, when he rose from the dead, his power was ready to deal with your yesterdays right now, today. That's the way God works.
And the purpose of God bringing this story and this message is because today is somebody's day. You see? And here's what God did as he was speaking to us today. He cleared the table of us thinking that there could be something that God can't restore. How many know God can restore anything? He can even raise someone from the dead. Hallelujah. God can restore marriage. God can restore broken hearts. God can restore someone who's been traumatized. God can restore anything. Nothing is too hard for God. What he said is, didn't I tell you, if you believe, all things are possible. And all we have to do today is believe. So we're going to pray very quickly for two different situations. First of all, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Jesus went to the cross. He lived a perfect life. He went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, he died in my place and in your place. You see, he was innocent, but he paid the price for the guilty. How many praise God for the, for the beauty of the cross? And what that means is even though you may want to criticize yourself, even though you've been criticized, even though even the devil tells you there's no hope and God doesn't want you, he does want you. You see? Even though you might say, there's no room in God's kingdom for me, there is room in God's kingdom for you. Jesus made room when he went to the cross and when he rose from the dead in power. You see? And then when God brings you in, when you start that relationship, then there's this explosion of possibility. Not because of you, because of him. There's this explosion of things that were dead coming back to life and being bigger and better. Can I tell you the biggest, the funny thing when I think about Edgar's story? Because I remember when he said, you won't believe this, but we're having twins. I remember when he got the minivan. <laughs> and it was a deal. God did a deal for him at the shop for the minivan. How many know he's even got the minivan? He's even got the minivan taken care of. Hallelujah. But it starts, it starts by Jesus knocking on the door of our hearts and us opening that door. Everyone close your eyes. If you're here today, you've come, you've been brought to, to uh, church today, you ended up coming here. It doesn't matter what your background is. You could have church background, Edgar had church background. You could have no church background. None of those things matter. What matters is that at this moment, the son of the living God, the one who came to this earth 2,000 years ago, went to a cross, and when he went to that cross, you were on his mind. He, he had the ability to look into the future and know that you would be born and that he loved you and knew that you would need him. And so he paid that price in advance so that he could meet you here today. How does someone become a Christian? They become a Christian simply by opening up the door of their heart and saying, Jesus, come in and be my Lord and Savior. And as while well, the story was going on, 
You, in the same way God was pursuing Edgar, you know God is pursuing you. You feel him knocking at the door of your heart. And today, you want to make today the day that you open the door and let him in. If you, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, would you raise your hand right now? I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you want to start a relationship, put your faith in Jesus Christ, and you feel him knocking at the door of your heart, would you praise, raise your hand right now? Anyone? Thank you. Thank you. Just go ahead. I know. It's, raise your hand up high so that I can see hands are going up all over the building. Praise be to the living God. Go ahead and raise up your hands. I'm going to wait one more minute. Raise your hands high. Yes, Jesus is knocking. Jesus is knocking. And can I tell you something? Listen, I want to say this. It's so funny because I waited a minute, a minute for Edgar to come to the altar, I don't know, eight years ago, 10, whatever, however many years ago that was. And I'm gonna wait 10 more seconds. Understand that as every eye is closed, this is the most personal and private moment that you could have with God. The moment that you open the door. So if that's you and he's knocking, go ahead and raise your hand. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, you can put your hand down. I'm gonna lead all of us in a prayer. All of us, we're gonna, we're gonna say a prayer. And the reason why I'm gonna lead is because to invite Jesus into your heart, you have to pray. As you pray, he's going to come in because you're gonna pray in faith, believing. So everyone repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this Palm Sunday. The day that I heard about your resurrection power. Thank you, Lord, for coming to this earth and living a sinless life and going to the cross. Lord, thank you that when you went to the cross, I was on your mind. And today, Lord, I ask you to forgive me for my sin cleanse my heart. I turn my back. I do a 180 on, on that old life. And Lord, I invite you to come in. Sit on the throne of my heart and be my Lord and my master and my savior and my friend. Thank you for receiving me even as I receive you in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Could we put our hands together right now? Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Everyone stand to your feet. If you raise your hand, you should be getting a box. That box is a gift from us. And in that box, it has a Bible and a note and a couple of other things to help you with your new walk and relationship with God. I want to congratulate you. The Bible says to them that believe, he gave them the power to become sons and daughters of God. You know what that means? It means that right now in heaven, all the angels are rejoicing and clapping. Could we clap just like they did? Hallelujah! take a moment and fill out the card in there and then give it to one of the ushers because we'd just like to connect with you and see how we could help you. Everyone take someone's hand. This is the Lord's house. 
We're going to pray a prayer of dismissal now. But as we pray, I know that there are other people today that you came into this building and you need a touch of God. And let me tell you something, how quick it was. Here's how quick it was. Lazarus, come out. Okay? Lazarus, come out. And I want you to pray right now to the left and to your right or pray for yourself if you need a resurrection touch. This is the way we're going to close. Lord, loose your power over this room. Come on, everyone pray. And God, I pray, God, that where there are things that are dead, I pray for the voice that calls people to life and marriages and children, oh God. God, I pray that you would say, come forth and take off those grave clothes. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, touch families, touch hearts, touch minds. Let people walk out of here in freedom, in life, in joy and in victory by your mighty power, oh God. We believe you, God, to the left and to the right. The miracle has begun. We declare it. We believe it. The miracle has begun. And God, we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, let's put our hands together and thank him one more time. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Now listen, we've gone late. And what I need, if you don't have children, I almost need you to jog out of here. No, no, just a quick walk so we could turn it around. But as you're going out, greet someone on your way out. We hope to see you Tuesday. God bless you. Come on, let's praise God one more time. God bless you, everyone.